0: He purangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi, o We
1: were quite segregated from the um, men until we actually were appointed to our various postings.
0: Kia ora, I'm Sonia Yee and you're listening to Eyewitness, a podcast exploring moments and events in our history from the people who were there. In this episode, we're looking at women in the police force, in particular, the story of Mari Jane Nixon, who served as a police constable between 1943 and 1947. These days, she lives in Raumati, a 40-minute drive out of Wellington. And when we spoke, she was at home calling through Zoom. Oh, hello, I can hear you. Hello? Oh, good. Oh, yay. Good. Now, Mari's father was a senior sergeant in the police force and also the editor of the Police Gazette.
1: He came home one evening in
0: 1941. He'd witnessed something pretty special that would not only change the face
1: of the police force, but Mari's life as well. He'd seen history made in New Zealand. The first ten police women sworn into the police force. And my word, they were a very fine bunch of young women, he said. And I happened to be listening and said, that's what I want to be. Murray was about 19 at the time. Her father's response wasn't
0: quite what Murray expected.
1: And he just looked down at me because he was six foot one. And he said, you, and laughed. I have understood that Peter Fraser's wife was very much in favour of employing police women. They had been talking about having police women for a considerable number of years.
0: Unfortunately, Mari's father died suddenly a month later, and a year on, she spotted an advertisement in the paper. The police were advertising for new female recruits.
1: The police was an essential industry with men resigning so they could go to war. And Mari leapt at the opportunity. But of the 15 that went into training when I did, I think I was the shortest. And the minimum height at that time was five foot four, and I I just made it.
0: So Mari was accepted into what became the third draft of female training officers in the New Zealand
1: Police Force, and it was a shock to everyone who knew her. My mother was, you know, what would your father say? I think he would have been quite pleased.
0: Obviously you're working alongside men. Did you train alongside them as well?
1: The senior sergeant that was in charge of our training, really, was a male.
0: Back then, police training took place over a three-month period during the summer months, so the only time there was interaction between the sexes was on the tennis court.
1: And often there'd be young constables come up playing tennis from the local police barracks that were about the city.
0: What other expectations did you have about the police force before you joined? Because, you know, you I guess you grew up with your dad being in the force as well.
1: i always felt that my father was a compassionate man. He also seemed to be a little bit forward-thinking for his day. I had watched the way... He could speak to people. I wanted to help people. I wanted a job that interested me. I had always been very keen on getting outside. I did study, of course, because we had to have a good standard of education.
0: And back in Mari's day, the mid-1940s, there wasn't even a uniform for female officers. So her daily uniform consisted of the following.
1: We just had skirts, dresses, Suits, you know, skirt and top, hats were the thing of the day. You just had your gloves and handbags. The uniforms for women didn't come in until about 1952.
0: Oh, yeah. And before I forget, Murray's friends were shocked that she was joining the police force for one reason.
1: Friends said, you can't go into the force. You're frightened of the dark. That was no joke. She was terrified of
0: the dark. But she'd have to deal with that soon enough. In fact, she would come face to face with her biggest fear on one of her first jobs. Now, back then, women in the force were often used as decoys, and this was one of those times. You see, there was a creepy guy hanging around Mount Victoria in Wellington.
1: There'd been women living nearby complaining of a male molesting them.
0: Murray can't remember his name, but for the sake of this story, I'll refer to him as a Mount Vic pervert. Turned out he was more of a menace than anything else, but still, he had to be caught. Needless to say, Murray was picked for the job.
1: I was told that there'd be a detective there to watch for if anything untoward was happening.
0: Now, we're talking about a forest reserve up a Wellington hill where you're surrounded by tall trees and the further up the winding and sometimes muddy dirt path, the trees start to close in on you. And at night, it's not just dark, but pitch black. And on this night, it was quiet, deadly quiet.
1: Not a breath of wind, no moon, no stars, and the only light seemed to be from the glow of the city below.
0: So, in accordance with the brief she was given, Mari made her way up and down, up and down, the same dirt track, more than half a dozen times. But she was physically fit. In order to become a police officer, she had to go through an intensive three-month training course, which included medical and fitness tests, and even unarmed combat. Naturally, she
1: passed with flying colours top of the track, there was a big flax bush. And as I stood there waiting to go down again, a big sheaf just suddenly rose in the wind and turned over. Murray
0: did the only thing she could. She bolted, making her way back down the uneven dirt track in a skirt and block heels, no less. With her handbag flying behind her and her heart pounding through her chest,
1: Probably my feet didn't touch the ground. I don't know how I got down the track in the dark without falling. At the speed I travelled.
0: Remember how Murray was told that a detective would be close by? Well, he was nowhere to be seen until she made it to the very bottom of the hill.
1: When a cat came out of the grass near the bottom, we both were startled and rushed for the nearest lamp light at the top of the street there. And by all accounts from what he saw, he was impressed. He said, my word, that was a great turn of speed you put on.
0: But in that same moment, both Murray and the detective had a realisation.
1: And then he looked back up the track and he said, there should be two of us on this job tomorrow night. Anything could happen to you before I got there.
0: As for the Mount Victoria pervert, he was nowhere to be seen but he was caught a few days
1: later. I think it was several days later.
0: I mean, you talked about being a decoy, but like back then, women didn't necessarily do exactly the same roles or weren't allocated the same kinds of jobs as men in the police force. What were the kind of the range of roles that you would have to, I guess, perform or?
1: We were often sent out on inquiries to help where women and children were concerned. We patrolled parks in any public area like that. There was manpower restrictions that all people that could work were expected to work. And the manpower regulations made it necessary sometimes to be sure that people were not idling their time.
0: She took her role in the police very seriously, but was also passionate and loved living in the moment.
1: We had some very strange situations arise. An open court, much older person, a woman had been arrested. And I had to be at that court in the morning ready to give evidence because I'd been present when she was arrested. I had dressed myself very nicely, tried to keep at the back of the court hoping I wouldn't be called on. The matron came to me. And she said, good morning, dear. When did they arrest you? I was appalled. I found out later that it was one of our dear constables that had put her up to it. Yep, she got pranked more than a few times. Sunday night, I'd had to work a late shift and it would have been about 11 or 12 o'clock. I went down to the watch house and asked the constable there to please order a taxi for me. Wartime, petrol was short. If you ordered a taxi, if there were other people wanting to go similar direction, the taxi driver could pick them up. Murray waits for the watch housekeeper until the taxi arrives. And he looked at me and he said, um, I have two passengers, one for Kilburn and one for Northland. I hope you don't mind. No, no, I see. So the
0: other passengers are dropped off and they're headed towards
1: Murray's destination. And as we're going through the northern Tunnel, he turned to me and he said, have you just been bailed out? I found that jolly watch housekeeper who put him up to it. <laughs> when you think you're on serious business, yes, it's a bit frustrating. <laughs> Did you feel that there was
0: a lot to prove? Being a woman in the police force, did you feel that pressure that you had to prove yourself?
1: Yes, I think so, but it wasn't uppermost in those early days. The main thing, I think, that was in our minds that we made a success of it. I would think that ideas of promotion and the like probably became a bit more important to the women probably a few years later, maybe in the 50s, when they were established in uniform, that really was the thing that the first three intakes established that it was a possibility of viable women in policing. Some days were good, some days were not. Sometimes you'd find there were situations that were really quite harrowing. The wartime, I was seeing the trains out with the troops going, all supposed to be very much undercover. We would had it drilled into us. Not, I'm not meaning just police, but the general public. You had to be careful of your speech.
0: But when Murray Jane Nixon became Murray's story and married another police officer, things changed. But that was to be
1: expected. They didn't want married women. They did not want women with children. I think I might have been one of the first of the women that was allowed to stay on for a short time after I was married. But once I became pregnant, you had to um, resign. I think it's great that Women can have more choice about that sort of thing now. It's still difficult or can be for them with children. The question is, did she resent it? Yes, there was a bit of resentment. I felt so, and probably a number of us did. Two of my trainee friends married, and they did manage to stay in 20 or so years but neither of them had a family.
0: Because you also married someone in the police
1: force. If I'd married out of the force, I would have been expected to resign.
0: What did you learn about yourself, maybe in terms of your
1: resilience? I like to think that I have learned to help people to be tolerant, to try and exercise a little bit of wisdom, Try not to be really judgmental. Things that happen and can be upsetting. A time comes when the hurt or the horror of what happens passes.
0: Today, the police force wouldn't be the same without women. So how does Mari feel
1: about it? Policing, to a certain degree, I think has changed. It has to change. Society has changed. We're more open about a lot of things. Perhaps we've lost a little bit of compassion and dignity, but a lot of the change has come about because of progress around us. Times have
0: definitely changed, but Murray says there were some things that happened that were swept under the
1: rug. There were some awful things years ago that we wouldn't allow to happen now. Girls that we had to deal with that had probably become pregnant before they married, which was an absolute no-no. And their babies, they always recommended they be adopted out. Now there's much more understanding of human beings, human nature, and I really admire the women that take the policing on. Well, I did in my day too. But these days, they've got more than we had to deal with. Drugs were not the bogey they are now. It's a very different world. And I think they're dealing with it magnificently.
0: You're listening to Eyewitness. That was Marie's story. And I'm your host and producer, Sonia Yee. The sound engineer was William Saunders and our executive producer is Tim Watkin. If you'd like to listen to that story again or to find out more, you can head to rnz.co.nz forward slash eyewitness or download the series on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Radio Public or wherever you get your podcasts. Catch you next time.